Welcome, welcome, welcome to the second reboot of the Benchwarmer Post podcast. Uh, it's actually funny because I decided to restart up my podcast, and I hope everyone enjoys all the mixed tapes, mixed takes that I give out. And this is actually gonna be way shorter than my previous episodes. If anyone actually was listening, um, probably five to ten minutes just because for the amount of time and people's attention span nowadays, I'd like to keep it simple and short. But for our first episode, essentially, we are going to talk about, and you guessed it, the Atlanta Hawks versus the Knicks. And we are one hour, well, less than one hour from tip-off for the Knicks' first playoff game in about seven years. It's been a long time coming, folks, and... Honestly speaking, I'm extremely hyped. I'm currently sitting here at my desk wearing my Knicks hat and my RJ Barrett jersey and just finished watching the Lakers and Suns game, which is chef's kiss because of how Devin Booker shot the ball off the dribble handoffs and how Aiton, DeAndre Aiton, who a lot of people did not actually care about, if we're going to be honest, being a first pick of that draft a few years ago and thought Luka Doncic should have been the one that should have been taken first. He's proving why he's an elite center. A lot of people wrote him off. Honestly, I was one of the few people that really like believed in him. And he's showing that he can lock up and handle a good defense. AD was neutralized through double teams and Chris Paul, being a floor general, he he's the one that directed traffic. He is your traffic man. Um, not to get too much into it though, I, I that that was a great game. And to be honest, I'm rooting for the Suns. They are very similar to the Knicks in terms of their success story, minus the bubble playoffs. And go Suns, go Suns. But you know this is the Knicks and Hawks episode, and so with that. We should take a look at the three main factors that the Hawks could possibly beat the Knicks. And basically, two of them are Clint Capella and Trey Young. Clint Capella is a good, solid center who can rebound, who can really block out your own guys on the offensive end. He was a scary matchup on our latest game, as far as I remember. Um, it wasn't until Trey Young actually got hurt that he was a little bit neutral, neutralized. But then again, he was also hurt towards the end of that as well. Um, the pick and roll is actually extremely deadly with Trey and Clint. And <laughs> currently, the Knicks don't have a great interior presence. Nerlens Noel is fantastic. He is fantastic. He's someone's going to pay him starting amount of money or... Something like that. I honestly think the Mavericks actually could go for him a second time. Um, but realistically, um, he is just a very good low-end starter, backup center. And to compete with Capella, Tibbs has to pull something in terms of his defense out of his, you know, well, his bag of tricks. Um, really... I'm 
I'm a little afraid of how Trey is going to try to bait for calls as well. We all know what's going to come. But the playoffs are a different beast. You can't bait like that. As we literally just saw in the Suns and Lakers game, it's they're not going to call those like little fouls and call everything a foul. And Yes, there's been controversial calls, but I do not believe that he's going to get as many calls as he would in the regular season, primarily because it's the playoffs. They let guys play. There's more dirtiness in terms of its defense. We just saw the Chris Paul low-key lockup LeBron James's arm. And it's going to be very interesting to see how Trey Young deals with all this because his reputation has taken a hit just by drawing foul calls. And um, he's become way worse than James Harden ever was on Houston, which, by the way, fuck the Mets. Um, <laughs> so I'm just intrigued about seeing how Trey Young and Kun Capella handle this. Kun is going to be the tougher one, but we'll see about Trey and how he handles it. Last one, though, and this... Some people are calling it now. Um, I actually have this guy on my fantasy team, and he's improved. He's actually very underrated, if we're going to be honest. And that is the return of DeAndre Hunter. DeAndre Hunter is a pretty good basketball player. I do not think a lot of people were actually paying attention to his season. And since I actually did have his um, have him on fantasy, I actually took a look at it, and he, everyone expected Cam Reddish to pop off, but sadly Cam Reddish doesn't even look like a basketball player, but he's the one guy to really, like, make the most out of his minutes. He <coughs> averaged 15 points, 15 points, and then you got 1.9 assists, and then you got uh, 4.8 rebounds. He shot an efficient field goal percentage of 54%, and he increased his two-point percentage from 45% last year to 58%. That's actually a pretty good jump, but here's the kicker. His his three-point shooting isn't even... It's actually down from his... Well, actually, no. It's actually... He trended a little bit downwards towards three-point percentage shooting, but that's because they actually brought him back earlier from injury, but aside from stats, you could tell that this kid, he he knows how to make his reads, he knows where to get his spots at, and essentially, he was like their second best scorer outside of Trey once he was actually healthy, and then, you know, the injuries hit, and they brought him back way too soon, and he was been held out for a minute, um, he played, well, he started 62 games um, out of a 72 season. 72 game season, but... Oh, that was last year. He actually played 23 games this year. Um, that's actually not a lot. Having said that, though, his growth in terms of his overall game, something to be looked at. As I had mentioned, he was the third best scorer on the Hawks. And the Hawks, aside from... They them thinking that uh, Rajon Rondo would mentor Trey and that Cam Reddish would actually be the one to pop off. They're going to be a team that, after, what's his fate? I can't remember their previous coach, but once Nate McMillan actually took over, they've been playing some really great basketball. Um, 
as I've mentioned, the pick and roll duo of Clint Capella and Trey Young reminds me of Clint Capella and James Harden because that's literally what it is. It there's there's like literally like no there's no mystery as to why a lot of people think that Trey Young has took James Harden's role in terms of bait and fouls. And then he's now running the uh, Clint Capella pick and roll. There, there is no mystery as to why Trey Young is actually instead of emulating Steph Curry a lot more, that he's emulating James Harden's play style. And those are the three things I personally think the Knicks should take a look at. Now, of course, you have I believe it's Bogdan Bogdanovich. Um, he's actually come alive a little bit, but I. Personally, I'm not... They have a lot of streaky guys. You know, as the Knicks have a lot of streaky guys. Between Reggie Bullock, Alec Burks, and then sometimes Toppin has some good nights. And then you have Frank, who is a little bit of a mystery on the offensive end. But defensively, he's, he's very solid. I am a Frank Milikina supporter. Um, It's... I think the Knicks can win this in six. Um, I'm I'm hoping for a sweep, but Trey Young, Clint Capella, but mainly Trey Young would probably win them a few games on his own. It like he he has a lot to prove. Both of these teams have a lot to prove, and so the biggest question mark on Trey Young is essentially how he would deal with playoff level defenses. You know, the Knicks play at their own pace. They make every team play at their own at their pace, at the Knicks' pace. And we have one of the slowest paces in the league. So, when it comes to playoff-level defense, Knicks are, what, third defensively in a regular season? We'll see how Atlanta responds and how Trey Young responds to getting doubled and then not going for the easy bait or not having enough space to shoot the three. It's things like that, and then, you know, just in general, just tougher, gritty basketball, which I think New York truly has a leg up on, because we have been playing playoff-level intensity. I don't know if the Hawks have, and I get it, they, they're they like a playoff team, they made huge strides under Nate McMillan and all, but with having a coach like Tom Thibodeau, and having veterans such as Derrick Rose, such as Taj Gibson, such as, well, Julius Randle himself. Um, it, even Alec Burks, um, they've all had their moments in playoff games. And it's using that veteran leadership, which the Hawks did not actually have in Rajon Rondo. That's aside the point. It's using that playoff leadership. It kind of gives the Knicks an edge. You know, um, Nick McMillan is a great coach, but there was a reason why the Pacers have fired him. And there's also a reason why they currently suck right now. But I just, if one of the reasons why the Hawks, if one of the reasons why the Pacers actually took took out Nick McMillan from the equation was because he did just enough in the playoffs. I don't know if it's going to continue to be that trend with his Hawks and how he truly responds with the Knicks. But if it is the case, I think the Knicks win in six. Maybe five games if they do a gentleman sweep. 
it's just we have too much experience on our side, and I do not see Trey Young truly getting those calls. I don't see. I don't see DeAndre Hunter being a force that he was in the beginning of the season. And <clears throat> the only thing that truly scares me is Clint Capello because of, you know, he's we don't really have anyone truly to counter him. Taj is a little older, and Nerlens, like I said, he's a back he's a backup center, low end starter, who honestly doesn't have that crazy interior presence, and you know. Push comes to shove. Clint Capella's just bodying you. That that's what it is. He's just murking you in the paint. So it's gonna be interesting to see how the Hawks respond. Um, in terms of just the overall scheme that Tibbs has done, I think we. So he already announced the starters and Alfred Payton starting, but I don't know how many minutes he will get. If we go by the recent trends, um, Payton's gonna get like. 18 minutes a game while quickly and Rose take over for the guard spots. And that's fine. That's that's good, but I I got to I got to I got to have faith in Tibbs on just making the correct rotations and n- not putting Peyton Peyton into like he's not like Cam Johnson who can hit the occasion three and has actually shown you know, that, like, he can take a step back. Cam Johnson's a backup point guard to Chris Paul. We don't have a great point guard. We have a kid that could be a point guard, as in Manuel Quickly, but he's probably more likely a combo guard. Then you have Derek Rose, who is a high-end bench player slash probably solid starter, depending on how many minutes you give him. Alfred Payton's there by default, and so that's what truly worries me, because... If he starts paying off and then Treyon gets hot because of Alfred Payton's whack defense, that in itself is a detriment to us actually winning this series. I need to see adjustments from Tibbs. I need to see him give specific guys shorter leashes, as in if Alfred Payton is not playing as well as you would expect, because I don't know what you would expect. Then I he, short leash, and I do want to see Frank into the lineups, and say what you will about Frank's limited offensive game. His three point percentage is up. Yes, his attempts are down, but come playoff time, because we are in the playoffs now. Defense runs king. Defense is the thing that gets. Hugely ignored slash sidelined in the regular season. But now in the playoffs, it it's the king. You know. <coughs> Teams, they use defense as a way to really generate the pace. The Knicks are good in that regard, as I have mentioned. But the fact that the Atlanta Hawks aren't a good defensive team... They're average, from what I know, but essentially, they're you got to give the edge to the Knicks, and that's just me being biased as a Knicks fan. Um, yeah, I don't think this will be a typically long series unless Trey goes supernova and breaks out into another tier. As for what I truly expect from like RJ and Julius and the entire roster. 
I actually think Emmanuel quickly is going to have some breakout games. I I I think we're due for a great Emmanuel quickly game. And I believe that RJ Barrett's going to show what he got in this playoffs cuz this kid was considered a consolidation prize. You know, between being behind Zion, his teammate, and then John Morant. And John Morant, he's cool and all, but, like, if I'm going to be real, he honestly looks like a ticking time bomb with the way he jumps and lands a lot of times. It's probably one of the bigger reasons why I don't prefer, like, hugely athletic guys, because injuries, man. You know, Derrick Rose is the prime example of that. And then you have, like, it's just... RJ, he plays a very controlled game. You know, he doesn't rely on his athleticism too much. He's more skill and craft more than anything else. And the fact that he has shown to increase in skill in one offseason with his shooting is just so great. He, I want to see his mental toughness. That's what I want to see. Because if he has that mental toughness to overcome tough situations like that in the regular season... I need to see this in the playoffs because realistically, RJ at the moment is probably closer to a number two to number three guy on a championship level team, barring injury and whatnot. He's with having mental toughness and essentially overcoming like, you know, making big plays in bigger moments. It'll, I guess... Increase his ceiling and potential to where he could possibly become like a 1B type of guy. You know, I firmly do believe that RJ can be a number 1 or a 1B at least on a championship level team based on what we see in his demeanor. So I need to see that mental toughness to really just ride out these long drawn games. Which the Knicks have been doing in the regular season, but the playoffs are a different beast, man. They're they're like they're you're comparing a puppy to Cerberus, really, and yeah. Um, aside from RJ Julius, he is our current number one, and if I'm expecting him to have some big games, he's always had big games versus the Hawks, and they're probably gonna double Julius, which thankfully his passing is way more improved this season than any other season. So. I'm not entirely too worried on that about on that, but when it, if he's being doubled, our roster, our our role players need to step up, and that includes Reggie Bullock, who is a little inconsistent. Then you have Alec Burks, who is a little inconsistent. Frank Nilakino, inconsistent. Toppin, good games, bad games. You know he's a rookie. Quickly. He's semi-consistent, but not there yet. And then the only one that's truly consistent off our bench is Derrick Rose. And I'm hyped for D. Rose in the playoffs. But to really utilize what Julius can do in terms of just being around... Like, he's going to get doubled a lot. I, I just witnessed Devin Booker getting doubled a lot. Chris Paul getting doubled a lot. LeBron getting doubled a lot. Andy Natives getting doubled a lot. They're doubling the stars now, and the defense is on another level, and while I don't believe that Atlanta Hawks has the same level of defense as us, having these role these role players step up and 
play above what everyone expects him to is going to be key to keeping Julius going. Julius can still play make and get rebounds. He could play pretty good defense. Not great, but good defense when we need to. And maybe we could funnel in a lot of their plays going towards Nerland so well so he could shot block like we did. But I have a feeling that it's not going to be like that. Um, they they might just take advantage of, well, Alfred Payton because he's truly the only true weak link I see in terms of defense. Um, I get, like, you know, maybe quickly too because he's a little undersized, but I'm expecting, I'm, I'm just expecting Julius to do less scoring in a way. You know, they don't have anyone to truly guard Julius, but if the double teams are going to come at him, expect to see everyone else get their touches. Um, yeah, so, actually, one last thing. Kevin Knox. So I just saw Mikhail Bridges just balling out against the Los Angeles Lakers, and man, uh, I feel bad. Just I really believe in Kevin. You know, he shot very well in this like season early on as well. But now it's like, do we wait for him for another year to develop him, or do we literally just? Trade him away. That's just... It's, it hurts to say that. I I need to see something from Knox in this playoffs if he plays. If Tibbs even allows him to play. I don't even expect Toppin to truly get a lot of minutes, but who knows, you know? Um, our freaking starting point guard is Alfred Payton. You know, that opens up room for De- Derrick Rose and... Freaking Emmanuel quickly to play point, um, wh- like I, I, I don't know. With Kevin Knox, I don't know. I'm a little lost on him now. And I, he fits the prototypical what you want in a wing archetype. Great body, <laughs> great body. He has he has great size. Pause. He honestly like. It's really just a motor, you know. I I know I didn't go into specifics on what you want in a wing, but his frame, his length, his size in general, the like all of that, it's just ruined by low IQ, low motor, and then him just discouraging himself. He needed to play with confidence. This kid won Rookie of the Month for a reason. If he could show us more of that I have hope for him but like I don't know if there was one player that I really want to see break out in the playoffs it's him that's like that's that's my whole thing but <clears throat> who knows how much he plays um so we are 20 minutes away from tip off is there anything else I truly want to hit on uh for the Hawks I mean who else is truly a threat Bogdanovich he's uh he can be shaky. Um, he does take some dumb shots, though. I will say that. It, it's really just some really dumb shots. I will say. Uh, I'm just looking through the roster to see who's truly a threat. Lou Will is actually on the roster. I don't know how I feel about him, but he can be a little bit of a pest. And then Kevin Herter. 
Kevin Herter, a guy that a lot of people thought would also break out. A lot of people were betting on him, but he's been consistent. He ha he's actually shooting 37% from three, which isn't terrible, actually. It's actually about average. Yeah, the Knicks defense is probably just going to have to focus on Clint and Trey and hope that, you know, that our defense against the perimeter shooting actually holds up in the playoffs. It'll be a fun series. It's a pretty even, well, yeah, it's a, it's a little lopsided in my opinion. It's like 55% on Knicks, 45% to the Hawks type of series. But, you know, um, go Knicks. I, I think we'll win it in six. I That's my prediction, Knicks in six. Man, we might get drashed by the Bucks. Yeah. But um it's been great. It's been real. Um you might hear me on Twitter spaces or whatnot. So yeah, if you guys like this, uh I guess you could subscribe. It's been a minute since I did a podcast, but yeah, I'll be putting out these more in regularity and frequency. Especially now that we're in the playoffs. So stay tuned for more. And I'll catch you guys later. Peace out, y'all.